Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad. And we are glad, Father. <laughs> so glad for you, for Jesus, for what you are doing in our lives, for the marvelous plan that you have for humanity redeemed us even from our strong enemies lord we're so thankful for that and we bless you and we praise you we thank you to have your way with us this day lord in jesus name amen and praise god so i want to remind everybody our special for this month last time uh this is wisdom is it the last no next week next week like i said scratch that uh but anywho uh wisdom meditations uh, for every season, this is the season of winter. It is $9. It includes shipping. And our broadcast is Strong Faith every Monday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 9 p.m. KDAYLive.com. So it's internet radio. Uh, but it's, it's a good station. I listen to the music before and after and I, I just really enjoy them. So thank God for that opportunity. Amen. So, all right. So, praise God. So, today we're going to talk about the fact that these people prayed for the Messiah. They prayed for the Messiah. I thought I would go still stick with intercession uh, uh, for us for our Saturday meetings because uh, it is a school of ministry, and uh, we. But whenever God says to do different, I will. But uh, just seemed like it was fitting for us to understand that Jesus just didn't come here. Amen. In fact, many of the things that happen on earth uh, don't happen until somebody prays. And, and um, you know, this is one of the things that Jesus taught. This is something that's just been, intercession has just been there since uh, man was, was separated from God. You know, um, before he was separated, they have free access to one another. God would come down and walk with Adam in the cool of the day and chilling, as they say. And <laughs> amen. And uh, and they had communion and fellowship unbroken because there was no devil to deceive anybody and place iniquity and separation. Sin always separates us from God. Iniquity separates us from God. Whether you actually do anything, quote unquote, wrong or not, just the fact that you have a different nature and a different mindset makes you feel unwelcome in God's presence. And so he wants us to have fellowship, to connect with him. And so for that reason, we had to be separated from him. And God's great plan was from the beginning. I mean, it's not like God is thinking up stuff as it happens. He's already got stuff planned. He knows what's going to happen ahead of time. He knew the devil was going to do this. He knew that he and he already had a plan in 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 force. In see, if something is in force already, what you do after that doesn't matter. And it doesn't count. It has no effect on what God already instituted from the beginning. God knows the end at the beginning. So, and he has everything planned. So it's like when you run out of money, it's, you're the only one that's shocked. And you shouldn't be because you do it all the time. You should say, well, this is normal for me. You know, but, but God, God's not shocked. And he's already laid up provision for you 
because he'd rather help you out and teach you while you're peaceful. You know, if he tried to, to, to teach you how to hold on to your money while you're in the shorts, you know what I mean. You up on the ceiling screaming and he got to call you down and he be just he just will send you that money. Let you calm down because you got the answer to your prayer. And before you start rejoicing and go misspend everything, he'll connect with you and show you a better way. In fact, he'll put it on your heart. You'll start asking for a better way. And that ain't even like you. And, and the reason you do that is because he put it on your heart. He put it on your heart to get tired of the same old, same old and plead to him for something better. So the things that we pray for by the spirit are things that God has already put inside of us to pray. Amen. He has. It, it, it's not like it's a surprise uh, to him when we ask for things. He knows what we need. He will help us to to develop that sensitivity to him so we know how to pray and and the holy spirit helps us he graces us uh, he gives us the words he gives us the uh the ideas all of that stuff he he so helps us because this this covenant thing is new to everybody i got news for you people try to act like you know i you know i I've been serving the Lord for all this. You know how people get casual, like they know God so well. And, you know, when you start acting like that, you at the bottom of the list as far as knowing God. Because, you know, you don't know him. You know what I'm saying? You still, he's still being revealed to you. So don't ever get comfortable, you know, that you know what God's going to do and you can predict this and that. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, just not cool. So. So we have to not like being being um I guess you could say um maybe surprised but in a pleasant way like knowing new things having new revel enlightenment like like having my eyes opened and and gaining new understanding you know those those things delight me uh because I value knowledge. I value understanding. I value God. I value relationship, you know? And so it's, I won't ever get bored learning the things of God. That ain't me. You know, that, 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 that's not me. And I, I don't think I know everything. Are you kidding me? The more you know, the more you wish you knew. And then sometimes you wish you didn't know some things because they might get a little challenging to live up to from time to time. And so we we have to learn how to just take this relationship with him uh, as it comes. But prayer is a very important aspect of that relationship, not just for the things that we have need of, but also for the things that are on God's heart to to accomplish because we are part of the body of Christ. And, and what we are doing, we're walking out God's plan for our lives it's not um this isn't just what you want all the time just because you thought of it or you think you thought of it it didn't originate with you by yourself these things originate in our uh our our christ likeness you know your christ nature that's where the the word is embedded that's where the word is meditated on that's where the word starts to make sense to you 
that's where the word is stored so that you won't sin against God. When you have a decision to make, you got word in there. So that word begins to come up on the inside of you and begins to guide your thoughts and guide your heart and guard, guide your mind. And so God wants us to be that involved. Uh, we are one with Christ. The Bible says those who are, are joined to the Lord, we're one spirit with him. And because we're one spirit, that means that we have access to some of God's desires, his needs. Uh, we know that we're servants as well as friends. I don't know why people don't like the word servant because, you know, that's what we got to do. You're going to serve him or the devil. You know, we, if you don't like the word servant where God's concerned, you must like it where the devil's concerned because you detach from God, get rebellious against him. Who else is there to serve but him? So don't fool yourself. I, I enjoy being a servant. I, I, my delight is to please God. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. That means serve, honey. I don't know what else. You know what I'm saying? People, people get all wound up. Women don't like submission. You know, that word, well, that don't mean whatever. Just, you know, you, you do you, I'll do me. But, you know, I submit and, and God honors it, even if my husband don't appreciate it all the time. You're not doing things for man's appreciation. You're doing things to please God. When you please him, he'll cause your enemies to be at peace with you. And don't call a, a, a loved one an enemy. Don't get, don't start that nonsense. You got one enemy, that's the devil. Your enemy is not flesh and blood, folks. Let's grow up here. You know, it's, it's just nonsense. So anyway, God wants us to be involved in, in his plan for the earth. Our, the level of our involvement depends on many factors, but Number one, how how submissive are you to God? How much do you submit to his will? Amen. So your involvement will depend on on how much you, you want to do for him and how much you're capable. When he gives you something to do, uh, how do you handle that? Amen. Uh, when you when you're a servant, you obey immediately. You at least say yes and look for the next you know, the next move, the next open door. Keep yourself focused on, I told God I was going to do this, and God, I'm reminding you I'm available. This is the way we have to live. You can't say you're going to do something and then forget about it, and then the time goes past, it goes undone, and then you say, oh, I forgot. You understand what I'm saying? It still didn't get done. Somebody else had to do that if if God was depending on you for it. And so the, your involvement will depend on how faithful you are with what he gives you. Amen. And, and in showing faithfulness, and we all know the parable about the talents and all of that. And, you know, the ones who were faithful with little got more to do for him. So if you don't want to do anything, just don't do anything. But it's an honor to be able to say God gave me this to do or God gave me that to do or or when God was needing somebody to do this, that or the other, you know, uh, he chose me or or I told God I was available, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you, you have to learn how to be a good steward of what he has entrusted to you. Uh, you know, you, you have to learn how to, you know, when when you know people have a need. You know, one of the things that social media has done good and bad, you see needs on there all the time. 
And it, it, it is unfortunate that there's so many needs. People are always saying, I'm sick. I need to be healed. Can you pray for so-and-so? Can you pray for this? And, you know, you sit there and look at that. What are you going to do? Just skip by, you know? So you got to figure out a way to, to do that. God, how do I do this? I don't want to add another name to my list unless you tell me to. And, and oftentimes what I'll do is I'll pray right then and right there, you know, and, and just ask God to, bless that situation or or whatever whatever or respond and give them a scripture you know that kind of stuff uh and and always stay invested in what god's doing down here that's the way i look at it don't let a day go by without you doing something for somebody to help them or make their life better you know that's what we're here for as christians and so uh, these people though uh, that we're going to talk about today uh, were people who were highly invested in God. That's the way I look at it. Why? Because they were trustworthy with something that was very important to God. Highly invested because in, and they had been faithful in wherever level they were and God made them responsible for so much more. To be responsible for the Son of God coming into the earth I mean, seriously, that's that's a big deal. That's something to be entrusted with. Amen. And so when we understand that this is what was going on at the time, we'll realize these just weren't haphazard people. These were people that God had had history with. He had been watching them for a season. And and so we we understand how they got to be what I call major players or key players in the birth of the Messiah and the the revolution that Jesus coming down here to earth has made in the earth. Uh, I I would would always have copies of that uh, story about Jesus where uh, one solitary life, uh, it talked about his history and, and it says all the armies that have ever come and gone, all the kingdoms have not impacted humanity like this one solitary life. And, and it was very important for him to be born, to be cared for, uh, until he got to be an adult and on his own. So, you know, it, God had to choose his parents very, very carefully. Amen. He had to choose people that were praying about this very, very carefully. So we're going to mention some of these people so you'll know who they are. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Zechariah in Luke chapter one and verse, uh, uh, Zechariah's. Okay. Chapter one verse. Well, he's, Zechariah is a high priest that year. Uh, his lot came, you know, they would draw lots for that. Uh, the Bible says the fall of the lot belongs to the Lord. It's not just luck when something like that happens. And in verse five, uh, there was a certain in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias and so forth and so on. And his wife was, uh, Elizabeth, uh, the daughter, one of the daughters of Aaron. So she was a, the children of Aaron as well. And they were both righteous before God, walking all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord. Blameless. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. 
came to pass that while he did the orders of the priesthood, according to the custom of the priest's office in verse 9, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the time of incense. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, fear not, Zacharias, your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And uh, it says here, and you shall have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither uh, wine nor strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel sh- shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. After all that, Zacharias says, how am I going to know this? He said, I'm an old man <laughs> and well stricken in years. So the angel breaks down everything to him. He tells him this is good news. And Zacharias hears it as a problem. Amen. And that's a sign of unbelief or at least enough unbelief to mess it up if he keeps talking. You got me. The other thing you've got to look at, too, is he's anointed as a priest. Their words have more faith. They have a different anointing. Your everyday Joe. You know, so if this was just Joe, uh, you know, walking around uh, with nothing better to do, you know, a, a believer, you know, of sorts might have been a different issue. However, he's got enough unbelief in him and enough anointing the understanding of the ways of God and and all that the angel explained to him generally would convince you that it's going to happen. He's given him enough detail. He says, this boy is going to be filled with the Holy This is just not something this angel happened to say to him. He's given him enough information to let him know that God is in this thing and it's really going to happen. And so Zacharias questions this, and he says, for the reason that he's old and his wife is well stricken in years. Now, this is a son of Abraham. His forefather had more faith than this. Got me? So these people have access to faith, too, just like we do. And he says, the angel answered, said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of the Lord, and I'm sent to speak to you and show you good news. Be happy. And behold, you shall be dumb and not able to speak until the days these things are performed, because you did not believe my words. And he had the choice to believe. We always have the choice to believe or not to believe. I don't care how fantastic it sounds. And he says, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long. When he came out, he couldn't speak. And they assumed he had found, had a vision or something. And he went back home and says, verse 24, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Amen. 
So God looks at everything. You know, now there were many, many women who were either unmarried, barren, something like that. You never have reproach before God. God is never looking down on you because you don't conceive and have children. Men do that. And this is what Elizabeth stressed, my reproach among men. In other words, people have ridiculed me and whispered about me and wondered about me all these years. And God, you even take care of my reputation in front of people. You got me down to the last detail. And God will do that for everybody, folks. You you never have to fear what man says about you. They may think you're a little weird, a little strange, whatever, whatever. Oh, no, she couldn't find nobody to marry her. And, you know, all that. that, That's the way people are. If you ain't like them, there's something wrong with you. That's the way most people look at life. You know what I'm saying? So, but God even takes care of that. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, and the same people that reproached her for being barren goes, ooh, she that old and pregnant. I went, no, no, no. You don't understand what I'm saying. So from one reproach to another one. So here we see Zacharias is chosen for a number of reasons. Number one, he is committed to God being a priest. He's from the line of Aaron. So it's his wife, Elizabeth. They are faithful people. They're holy people. They walk blameless before God. So they are trustworthy. When you walk blameless, when you have that reputation that said about you, that puts you high up on the list of suspects to do something unusual for God. It just does. Amen. Even from from some people, when they start out, In a rough life, if from the time they get saved, they go full out and flat out for God and don't don't look to the left or the right and don't turn and look look behind them. You know, when you set your hand to the plow, you don't turn your head and look back at what you left. Then then that puts you higher up on the list of God's trustworthiness. Amen. Because you're faithful. I don't care if it's small. I don't care if it's big. Whatever he gives you to do, be faithful doing it. And that moves you up a few rungs on his list of available suspects when there's something important to do. And and these people are to be honored because of what God chose them to do. He didn't just choose any and everybody, but he chose honorable people. So the next person we see is Mary. She's in Luke 1, uh, chap, uh, 1 verse 30. An angel appears to her. Uh, in Gabriel, it said Gabriel is sent from from the city of Galilee uh, into the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came into her and said, Hail, though thou who art highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou amongst women. I used to say that when I was Remember when you said the Hail Mary? I thought swimming was in there. I didn't know it, the word was women. Shows you how little they have you say in your little rosary. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and thought in her mind, what manner of what is he talking about? What is this all about? The angel said to her, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There you go. So favor cannot be earned but your obedience to God is part of it. If you're a rebel, he you don't find favor with him. You got me? Favor is different than grace. 
grace comes through faith, through believing God for different things. He will grace you to be able to uh, do different things for him. But favor is something different. It's it's a position in God's mind where he assesses you and he sees what you do with, you know, a lot of people go around claiming favor. You You know, that's something that's God's choice. You can't claim it and build your faith for it. God, uh, you know, you can ask for it. That's fine. But but you don't just demand something like that, you know, by faith. I, you know, like you can conjure up the ability to believe for something God doesn't want you to have, especially in certain things. And so God will will put and it, I can tell you, you know, the times where, I, where I've noticed what God's doing, I'm just floored. I'm thinking, God. Come on now, God, you even did that. You know what I'm saying? You, it, it's one of those things where uh, it's the, the expected unexpected. You can, you can have peace about it and say, well, God, I just thank you that, that you give me favor with, you know, you surround me with favor like a shield. He surrounds his beloved like that, but you don't know when it's going to be put in your life. You know, for certain things that you need. So, so Mary, and he says, you have found favor. In other words, God's not coming to you for anything bad. This is good. Angels, when they have good news, they prep you for it. You know, this, don't be afraid. You know, this isn't a warning. This ain't the end of the world. I'm coming to you, uh, with good news. And he says, uh, and when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and was thinking, what manner of salutation? What is he talking about? And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. And behold, and see, she must have settled down when he said that. See, this, her reaction to him is different than Zacharias. Zacharias gets this whole spiel. He's got like five or seven verses told him. This whole story is told him. To reassure him, you know, the more details you get about something, the more you understand what God's, this is real. You know, he's really, when God starts filling in details for you, that means it's real. Amen. And you need to take note and put your faith in that. And so he says, and he says, don't be afraid. Behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give him the throne of his father, David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how shall this happen? Seeing as how I don't know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth. So she's open her faith. She must be asking this question in faith because she's still open to receive more information. It's like, tell me more. Give me more details. And so it says here, your cousin Elizabeth, this will confirm it, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is a sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Amen. So this is your impossible scripture. Amen. And so and it's your, your uh, scripture to keep believing God for good things. And so considering the fact that Elizabeth 
and Zacharias received the same news, it might be that Elizabeth never dropped her faith for having a child. You got me? Never considered herself too old. You just don't know. And so they have found favor. All these people have found favor with God. So they begin to pray for the Messiah. Because in their prayers, you will see Elizabeth and Zacharias know that they are going to uh, have a son. And he's going to, number one, they're cousins. And he's going to relate to the Messiah in a certain way. And so they're going to have to pray for that. They're going to have to keep that before the Lord. They're going to have to watch for signs of all these things coming to pass. So the fact that you're engaged, you have to care for a child, and you know what that child is, they were also told to give John is a Nazarite. He can't have any strong drink and anything like that, and she can't either. And so these babies are dedicated to the Lord uh in their in the womb before they they even get here and so this is part of their intercession part of your intercession may be watching over the things that god has entrusted you with and allowing god to have his way in your life and in allowing things to happen in a prayerful manner uh, let it be a sanctified and a holy thing not just uh something that just happened this is something that uh god has set you aside especially to watch over for him so mary and elizabeth now are intercessors in the messiah's life and and so they have prayed for him and they will continue to pray for him and watch over him so the next one we have is joseph and joseph comes along in uh Luke chapter 2 I think that's the first place we see him uh in 2 verse 1 it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Augustus Caesar that all the world should be taxed this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria all everybody went to be taxed everyone to his own city Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And so all of these people uh, have a uh, a messianic call on their lives. Their their seed can be traced back uh, to to the Messiah. And so to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him at the end. So they now have to pray for a place, a safe place for the baby. So they're praying for the Messiah and they know who Jesus is. They know who their son is called to be. And it says in verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds watching their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were very afraid. This this fear that comes on everybody when 
this is a different presence of God. This is not the regular temple anointing. You know, and notice, you notice they said the people at the same time Zacharias was burning incense, people were outside praying. So there was a presence of God out there on the outer court while they were praying. God always showed up out there to meet them and to answer their prayers. They were praying for different things, their individual needs, personal needs, whatever the needs, whatever was on their heart. That was their time to intercede when incense was being burned. And so, so, but this is a different presence of God that shows up with Gabriel, sore afraid, twice, the shepherds. There, there was a, 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 a presence there that made them afraid. There were, the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they, this is a different intensity of anointing that comes oftentimes when special things happen. When, when things that are of import happen, there will be an increase in the anointing, increase in the glory of God, increase in, when we have revivals, when we have different moves of God, all of that, these are, are stronger, what we call stronger anointings. We call it the glory sometimes. Uh, we have different names for it. But this thing made everybody fearful when it showed up. So it wasn't, it was made to get people's attention. It was made to make you shut up. The only person that didn't know to shut up in the presence of the glory was Peter. Remember, we was on a mountain of transfiguration. If they're running his mouth as usual, and God said, the voice from heaven come out of the clouds and says, shut up, Peter. This is my son. Listen to him. Amen. So, so next thing you hear people, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you, who do you say I am? He said, you're the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. I don't have upfront and close and personal. But these are human reactions. These are flesh reactions to the presence of God. And this is an intense presence of God. That presence is meant to make an impression on people such that it increases their faith. It stirs them up. It's not something you can easily forget. You got me? Uh, when the glory is, is there, you remember it. There have been times where we would have a strong presence of God come do the praise and worship. Uh, Pastor Shirley said she got out of her car a couple of times in the parking lot and the ground shook. Yet you remember those things. You say, God, what are you doing? Let me know. What, what does this mean? You're up to something. I want in. That's what you say. You don't say, how am I going to know this? You know, don't, don't go dumb on God. You know, try to, try to get in on it. Come back, God. Show us more. I know you want to show us more. That kind of thing. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The same message to everybody. This is not bad news. Good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born in this city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So these shepherds have found favor with God. Everybody that gets a message from an angel has somehow found favor with God. The shepherds couldn't wait. They were faithful people. This was good news to them. And so as the good news comes into the earth, it begins to spread. 
more people begin to hear it, more people begin to receive it, and more people it starts to it starts a buzz. Something's going on here. This is something we've got to know. So God's up to something. I, you know, just like the uh, baptisms that they're having in different places where people get dunked and come up healed, scars leave their bodies. Those things have been going on for a while, you know, in different places. And so these are the good news things that, and I thank God for people who don't get on social media and advertise it to death to kill it. You know, I mean, if God tells you to do it, do it. But but don't take that upon yourself to start getting a lot of people involved in stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And so if the news travels on its own, it travels on its own. And so God has specific people he has pointed out to uh, to tell this good news to. And so if verse 15 came to pass as the angels were gone away from in the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go down to Bethlehem and see. These angels, I mean, this makes an impact on people. They, you got to follow up and see what's going on. You don't just say, oh, well, you know, I got my laundry to do and I, maybe I get around to it. No, you go. You've been told something big is happening. You go. And they went with haste. That's, that's the way we need to respond to whatever God gives us to do. Run and, 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 and get what you got to get from God. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad. Hello. You get it on the on the live wire. That's why the shepherds were picked. Not only were they holy men. Not only were they waiting on. Not only was this good news and the angel knew. They knew they would go tell it. Amen. And, and get word spread about. And they made known abroad the saying which is told them concerning this child. All they that heard it wondered at those things that were told them. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their hearts. And the shepherds returned, glorying and praising God. And, and so they took Jesus to be dedicated in the temple. And this is where you see the next people that were important there. And uh, Anna is one who prayed for the Lord, uh, and that's in Luke chapter 2, so we'll just keep reading down. When the days of purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And it is, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the wound shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a just man, devout. He didn't just come to church when he felt like it. You got me? He was a devout. That means that he didn't play around with God. Waiting for the kind. He held in his heart that the Messiah would come. He wasn't sure when. He wasn't sure. But God had told him one thing, and that is he would he would live to see it. And that's what he was doing. You know, you'll live a long time if you're waiting to see something from God and you know you're going to see it. Amen. And it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel or Israel's hope uh, uh, of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
and he came by the spirit into the temple amen because that temple wasn't no place you just hung around in you got me jesus called it a den of thieves you got me religious you couldn't work a miracle there the anointing wasn't welcome there nor was he anointed it says it came by the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child jesus to do for him after the custom of the law he took him up in his arms and blessed god and said lord now let your servant depart in peace according to your word for mine eyes have seen your salvation amen some people hang around just to see a prayer answered you got me especially devout people you know everybody ain't trying to hang around so they can go clubbing again or hear the latest uh song that's put out by somebody some people are waiting to see the prayers answered that god has promised them would get answered i'll tell you something if you keep some work of for god to do on the on the burner of your life you'll be here for a while I mean, for those of us who are interested in long life, you know, you'll be here for a while. You got plans for God. You got plans to live. You got plans to do something for him. You'll be here for a while. You understand? And so until you see what God wants you to see. And he says, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So he prophesied. And Joseph and his mother marvel at those things which were spoken of him. So Mary and Joseph are learning more about their baby, too, as they go along. So all of these people who have prayed for the Messiah and the things that God gives them to say over him and about him, they're important for to impart to Mary and Joseph. He's just not talking to hear himself talk. You know, he's seen what he's come to see. He said, let me depart in peace. In other words, I can leave here right now. You understand what I'm saying? Because I've seen what you, you've had me praying. I know my prayers are real. I know my prayers get answered. And so he begins to prophesy over him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword will also pierce through your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So this is this child is going to be a prophet. They know that because revelation belongs to the prophet's office. You understand what I'm saying? That gift is peculiar to them. And he says the hearts of many people will be revealed. And there was one Anna. She's the other major player here. Uh, she's a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was about 84 years old. And she did not leave the temple but served God with fastings and prayers day and night. Amen. Now, Simeon came and went, (laughs) but she fasted and prayed and stayed in the temple day and night. Now, there was a purpose for she was assigned what she was doing. He was assigned what he was doing. So there was a purpose for him the way he was called. And he also held on to his faith that he would receive the Messiah. So he stood watch over that prayer. Amen. 
And Anna was in the temple day and night, fasting and praying, that many times uh, um, widows did that. They, they signed up to serve God day and night. And and if if they were what they call widows indeed, they were to be taken care of by the church, by the people. So the fact that she was that old and she was widowed at a very young age, it says she was only married for eight years. So she might have been widowed since she was in her 20s, early 20s or something like that. And after that, she just turned herself in at the temple and said, I want to pray for God all day long. And that's what she did. And that was a high calling for, you know, for a woman that, you know, she could have found enough. She's young enough to find another husband. But she does. She was devout like the rest of them were. They were devout people. In other words, God, I don't have a life anymore. What do you want me to do? What do I do with my life, Father? I just want to serve you. You understand what I'm saying? That's easy to say because in your heart, that's the only thing left to do. You know, I mean, what excites you anymore in life after you're saved? <laughs> you know, you, you got to live holy. You got to walk with God. You, you can, I mean, you have fun, but your fun's different. You don't have the same fun you had as a sinner. Come on now. We, you know, and, and, you know, we have joy. We ain't fun people. You know, <laughs> I'm fun sometimes, but, you know, if God tells me to do something, I'm gonna leave fun right right here where in the corner where it plays all the time, and I'm gonna go do what God tells me to do. You ain't gonna get that. You know, God is not fooling around with people. He doesn't mess with sloppy people. You turn him down one time, and you may not get asked again. You got me? He, I mean, he's a cute boy in the in the dance. You know what I'm saying? He's the cutest boy at the dance. You don't get to turn him down and, and twice. He moves on. So, so, so this is what we need to understand. All these people have this in common. They love God. They're devout people. They don't refuse God anything. When he comes to a young woman that's not married yet, but engaged and tells her, She's going to do a very unique and unusual thing that's going to bring her some shame, that's going to bring her. You mean she didn't even count the cost. She just said, hey, whatever. Let it be unto me according to your word. Whatever, sign me up. I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. Count me in. That was her custom. That was how she lived. She didn't just start doing that. Just, well, what's his name going to be again? I don't know. I don't know if I like that. I had another name picked out for my first baby. See, I was going to call him. Yeah, uh-uh. No, it's bye, sister. Girl, bye. And so this is something where he he chooses devout people. Chooses devout people. Not part-timers. Not play-around people. People are serious about serving him. And and would would feel bad to offend him. You got me? that that kind of person and so uh, it, he he this is where were we at oh in the temple where he was being dedicated there's one anna verse 36 a prophetess a daughter of phaniel of the tribe of asher it's a great age she was uh, and she was a widow of about 84 years which departed not from the temple but served god with fastings and prayers day and night 
And she coming in that instant. Now, these people, this is what you call uh, a Holy Ghost collision, I guess. They all sense to be there at the same time. Got me? It's a divine appointment. She came in that instance, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him of all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Amen. And so this was her prayer. She gave thanks to the Lord and talked to him about all those that look for redemption. She's She's got the Messiah coming deep on her heart and on her mind. That's all she thinks about day and night. And when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city in Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, and, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, prior to that time, you need to look more closely at Joseph because we just see him coming in and marrying Mary and, and going to pay his taxes. Um, if he were a tax dodger, he wouldn't have been chosen. You got me? Running around looking for who is him? H&R Block or whoever the people is give you a tax cut or something. If he'd been one of them, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have qualified. So these are honest people. These are people who do give to Caesar what Caesar. They, they honor Caesar and they honor God. Amen. So you won't find him doing stupid stuff and, and dishonoring himself and being disqualified by God. So in Matthew chapter one, we see more, a little bit more about Joseph and his prayer and how he interact. Intercessors do things as well as pray. You know, I always, I, God gave me a teaching. I said, put your money where your prayer is. You know, there are times when, when you, you can pray for things and you got to fork over too. You know, I remember somebody, uh, calling me once and asking for prayer. Um, they, they needed help with their tuition. And I was getting ready to pray for him, and God said, give her that money. And I'm thinking, I didn't even pray. You know, like we want to say, I rebuke you, Satan. How, why are you speaking up for me? Well, I knew what the deal was. And the person said, oh, I wasn't asking you. I said, no, God just told me to give it to you. End of discussion. We don't have to pray about that one. Well, you know, the Bible says don't withhold good from someone when it's within your power to do it is it in your power to do it then fork it over god will give it back to you he said if you give to the poor you lend to me and i will definitely repay i i don't i'm not in debt to anybody i don't owe nobody nothing so to me it's like banking your money really what were you gonna do with it don't tell me you understand ain't my business but you know, it's, it's, and it's good to do things. Don't ponder over it too much. You know when God's speaking to you. You know when you have an unction to do something. You know when he moves on you. So just go do it. And quit arguing in your mind about, well, they ought to have some family members that, how come they don't have somebody else that, no, stop it. You get the honor of helping somebody who can't help themselves. You got, we got to look differently at things. And I know the devil punch my mind with stuff like that you know and and i I enjoy giving to be honest with you but the you is i call it the satanic hangover you ever done something god told you to do and then he beats you up and 
you know, your mind is all messed up about it. And you don't have peace about it. You got to learn how to rebuke him. Keep him up because that ain't his business. He ain't number the thief anyway. He wants you to do it, to squander it or waste it so that you don't. And see down the road somewhere where you need God to bless you. You need to have something banked up. You know, I mean, you you could be over overdrawn. Oral Roberts said he was praying, asking God for money, and God said, "Listen, I've given you all the." He said, "I I paid you on all the seeds you've sown. I you know you you've collected it all. I can't give you no more money on credit." He said, "You have to sow something," and he gave away that airplane he had, and so you know things like that. You can't hold on to everything, and please God, you understand what I'm saying? And so this is this is just the way things are, folks. So um, okay, so then we have a, a, a different slant on Joseph and and what he did and how he was chosen. He and Mary were chosen as a couple. When you choose one, you choose both. So you can't say, well, gee, Mary I like, but Joseph, eh, yeah. it wasn't like that. God sees them as one. Joseph was devout. He was responsible. Amen. He was a godly man because he prayed about things instead of jumping to conclusions. So it says here in Matthew chapter 1, I think it's verse 18. The the first part of this, it talks about the wise men that came to see uh, um, uh, where when when Jesus was born these wise men were they they think historians think they were of a group of men called king makers and these were um astrologers and you can learn a lot watching stars move if you're if you're given over to that if that's the way you study things they study times and seasons based on the stars but you get a lot of information that way because when you get your weather forecasts, you know, like in the almanac, the farmer's almanac, then things were pretty accurate and they would predict the weather a year in advance. And you didn't have a thermometer, a barometer on anything. And they could tell pretty much by wind currents and, and, you know, length of days, how long a day was and all that kind of stuff, how much sunshine there would be. They could forecast pretty accurately um, that way. And that's the way most of our weather is done, how our calendars are done. Uh, they know a full moon, a half moon, all that. You see that written right on the calendar. So these guys had a little bit of smarts, and some of them could tap into signs of the times, things that God had already prophesied about, released a word about. And when so and so many years come to pass, he was going to release his people, Israel. Sometimes the prophets would keep up with that time and sometimes they just let it go by, you know, and then somebody had to hear from God. Like Daniel, when he would pray, he said he he recognized the 70 years of Babylonian captivity had gone by. He's the only one keeping up with it. And they all had been told it when they when they put the clink on them. And put them in and took them captive to Babylon. They all knew it was going to be for 70 years. And it looks like Daniel was the only one who remembered. 
and began to pray and say, God, it's time. You understand? And so there are people like that. And don't think it's a lot of people either because it never is. Amen. Never is. Children of Issachar had that gift. They could keep up with what was going on and when certain things were supposed to, to happen. And so uh it says here, um, the wise men came and they, they went to, they gathered, uh Herod had heard in verse 3, these things. He was troubled in all Jerusalem with them. They, the, these wise men came and asked Herod, where's the king of the Jews? Well, they asked him because he's a king. And he should know kings in different regions and all that kind of stuff. And Herod's upset. And and he says here, then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired them diligently. In other words, he's grilling them what time the star appeared. And he, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search for the child. And when you find him, uh, bring word to me that I can worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east, and it came and stood over the place where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him, and they opened treasures, presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they were warned of God. So here you got some heathens getting visions from God not to go. So they could hear from God and they could deduce from what they knew what was going on. But you see, God can talk to anybody and warn anybody. And these men had an interest in it. They were going to take the news now. Not The first people they come to is the promised people. The Jews were promised he was their their Messiah. But now he's the 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 savior of the world so the world has to know too so this is how he gets word to the world is through the wise men and they departed and they heard from god and went a different way amen god told him don't go back and talk to here don't tell him nothing and when they were departed the angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream so this is after the visitation of the wise men uh to jesus it's thought that he was in a real house now. He wasn't in the manger. Amen. Uh, even though they're in Bethlehem. I forget what city they were in when they, when he visited them. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyway, they, they visit him and they present gifts to him. And when they were departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and you will be there until um, uh, until you – wait a minute. Yeah, until you I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. They arose and took him and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled was was spoken by the Lord of the prophets saying, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Now, in back up to verse 18, that's really where I meant to start. Uh, it says the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, 
were minded to put her away privately. Now, good men go the way of grace. It, when it was found that she was expecting, the natural inclination is that she hasn't been faithful to her vow to Joseph. But he's not a natural man. He decides, instead of making her a public example, now fornication was was punishable by death. He could have taken her to the city gates, to the judges, and had her examined and judged, yada, 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 yada. But he said, put her away privately, which means that he would just not marry her, and see if he could arrange to find out who the father was and arrange the father to marry her. That was a private putting away. So there was mercy there for women that made mistakes and men that made mistakes and sinned and broke the law. There was always mercy. But while he fought on these things, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary unto you as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Savior, for he shall save the people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And that's in, uh, I think that was Isaiah. And he says, and, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. When Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. So he was purely the son of the Holy Ghost, but born of a woman which fulfills a prophecy back in Genesis chapter 3. Huh? Anybody remember what that said? Huh? The serpent, about the serpent, he said the seed of the woman, not the woman and the man. Hello? Amen? Who has a Genesis chapter 3? In verse 15, and I will put enmity. He talks to the, he's talking to the serpent. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Just hers. You got me? Amen. He said, and it shall bruise your head. Her seed shall bruise your head. So this is the seed of the woman, but he didn't say the man. You got me? So the devil being the devil didn't pick up on it. Of course, he don't pick up on nothing. You know, he's just stupid. But but that would have tipped him off that that Jesus, being the Holy One of God, would be the one definitely to bruise his head. But the devil had no clue 
because he treated Jesus like an ordinary man. He didn't treat him. Even though the demon said, you're the holy one of God, they didn't treat him like he was any different, like he was that promised seed. So the devil let that slip by him. The Bible says that if the, the princes of this world had known what God was doing, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. So they had no idea God was saying the seed of the woman without the man. The seed of the woman born of the Holy Ghost, conceived by the Holy Ghost. So this was going to be a special seed. But but the devil has warred against man ever since then. You know, he's just had an end against the human race. So, all right. So now we see everybody, all the major players. Herod has died, and they're able to move back to Nazareth and Galilee. So the role of the intercessor and of the prophet is very much tied in to every move of God, every prophecy that's been spoken. So the last prophecy that's spoken is the the return of Jesus, Jesus into the earth and to claim his bride and to and what we call the rapture of the church. And so there are people who pray for the end times and God assigns them to pray. Now, one of the things that that we understand now because of the gift of tongues, many times we don't know what we're praying for. Our understanding is unfruitful. And many times with these people, they they're they're you see how the prophecies about Jesus are in fragments over here in this book, over there in that one. And it takes a lot to be able to put them all together. And that's the way God keeps it. And so I believe the way that he does it, it doesn't have to be this way. But the, the way that he does it with the end time church is there's a lot of praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in the spirit for the things of God. Just like those ladies that that knew they were assigned to pray for God to to bring um revival they called it revival or bring ministry or or uh, signs and wonder ministry to the city of Tulsa the one lady said she prayed in tongues almost exclusively when she wasn't reading her word and building up her spirit she would pray in the holy ghost and she did this all day long with a one hour break for lunch during the middle of the day and have soup and go back to praying. She prayed almost exclusively in the Holy Ghost. And it's so that when when things started to happen, she had to stay with the unction to pray and not quit praying when she first saw signs of an answered prayer. See, this is a mistake that we make many times. That's why God calls watchmen because watchmen, you know, we pray the same prayers over and over. They never change. Why? Because it's not just to see stuff happen, but it's to keep the opposite from happening again. So it, it's not taken away from us. We don't lose it. It doesn't go to the devil or the devil infiltrate it and start to pollute it and, and start to mess it up because he loves to do stuff like that. You know, people pay the price to pray to get a move of God into the earth. And then the devil comes in and somebody wants to film it and put it on YouTube and go viral and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so this is why we have to continue to pray even after things happen. Look at Roe v. Wade. We thought we just had to pray for that to be reversed. and We just, whoo, 
ah, ah, ah. Yeah, now they're going into the states, getting the states to pick up what Roe can't do, you see. So you got to chase this abortion devil forever. Amen? So just don't ever look at yourself as, well, we did that. What's next? What's next is keep the devil from taking it back again because he is a thief. And he works on taking stuff back 24-7. So these are the people that prayed for the Messiah, that their prayers were essential to Jesus coming into the earth. The role of intercession and prophecy cannot be overestimated in fulfilling God's plans in the earth, in the events that he has planned in the earth. In order to do stuff down here, a seed has to come from down here. A seed from the earth must be planted in the realm of the spirit in order for God to be able to do things for us down here. So we, we've got, he's got to have somebody to repeat his word to him and affirm his word to him and pray his word back to him. So that he can do things down here. Other than that, nothing happens. And we've seen periods where the church has gone dormant. Like through the Middle Ages, they called it the Dark Ages. Why? Because the church had no life. All the monks, they had run to monasteries, running from Caesar and that crowd and persecution and stuff. And they just went underground until God began to breathe life on it. You know, these are coals they used to burn. They still got a little flame there. And God starts to breathe life on there by his anointing, moving on people's hearts. He'll get people to ask him questions. That's always seems to be the way revival starts. Remember Gideon? God said, mighty man, well, well, if I'm a mighty, where's the miracles? Where's the, where's our stuff? Where's everything? He gets the right person to ask the right question. He's got what we call a quote unquote volunteer. <laughs> Not quite a volunteer. He's got a draftee if that's what he's got to have. But he'll get somebody to trust me. He'll find somebody to do it. Just like all these people. There are lots of devout people. They got, he said, I got much people in the city. He told Paul that. You know, we may just know about what we do. But God's got a lot of people. He's got devout people everywhere. He's got people in places that they're praying. If, if there's nobody who's praying much in one country, he raises up people in another one. He'll raise up people with the right word, who have the right faith and can get the right stuff done. You know, who can bring an anointing in the right way. It won't always be played around with and, and you know, made a cheap toy. By people who don't know how to respect God and respect his word, uh, he'll get get his work done. And so <clears throat> we want to pray, of course, for uh, the things that are important to God, I'm trying to look through and see where he wants us to to pray. And um, <clears throat> we'll pray the revival and reformation prayer because we need to always remind God that he's got some things he's promised to do in the earth and we want to do our part. We want to be recipients of of God's glory in the earth. We want to carry the glory. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think I pray for enough sick people and get them healed. 
<laughs> and I'm looking for the immediate. You know, I just let's step up a little bit and expect more out of God, not out of ourselves. But we can expect more out of God all the time. Amen. And so we want to make sure that when God wants to move on the earth, he has a people here who are praying and keeping watch over these prayers so that he can do what he wants to do. So, Father, we thank you for being the God that that knows all things and you have everything on schedule. We pray for a revival and reformation of the church, that the church would come into the formation that you wanted to come into. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that your church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. This is your doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And we thank you, Lord. He is the stone that the builders rejected. But you have made him the chief cornerstone, and this is a, a, a sign, a wonder, and a marvel. And we thank you, Lord, for people who will worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, that we fear God and not man. Thank you, Lord, your people will give everything to Jesus. We dethrone the works of the flesh and exalting man. We ask you to put a conviction on proud flesh. We pull down religious and political powers over the church. Thank you, Lord, that people will humble themselves and desire to be a habitation for you, a dwelling place, that we are the temple of the Lord, that we would plant ourselves by rivers of living water, that there would be no compromise on the word, that the leadership are people of integrity, called and anointed by God. We break the power of the spirit of Saul that just wants to do his own thing and will obey the voice of the people. We cast out the drunkard, the homosexual, the fornicator, the adulterer, the liar, the backbiter, the gossip, witches, witches, and all workers of iniquity. We say let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow through the church and cleanse everything that's unholy. That our leadership will have the boldness to confront sin and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the people's sin so they can repent. We bind hypocrisy. We release transparency and humility in the heart of believers. We bind the spirit of Antichrist. Thank you, Lord, to give your people wisdom to win souls. Your word says he who wins souls is wise. We say the wicked will never prosper. And we declare that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this to gather together to stand for the kingdom of God and for our lives to destroy, to slay, to cause, to perish all the powers that assault us and to spoil these powers of their prey. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen again. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we're going to do our declaration before we are dismissed for our Merry Christmas. Everybody, Merry Christmas to those of you who are watching on the Internet. <clears throat> Amen. Jesus is the reason for the season. We know who we worship and who we serve. We are not into just gifts, so that don't even try to put that this way. We serve him 24-7 all year round every day but we we especially appreciate him sending his spirit to give we are more like god when we give amen and the spirit of giving is released in the earth every time we declare christmas that jesus's birthday so we honor you lord and we thank you you came and you were born but you were the only man born to die to die for the sins of the earth and we cannot 
thank you isn't a big enough word to send to you. But we love you, Jesus. And we say Merry Christmas, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. We love you. All right, we'll do our declaration. I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. And I don't have whatever else you're fighting. And it can't get me. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, we are healed. Amen. Amen and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God.